stop Ouija. I don't have enough arcane power. Where am I needed? I need fury, not enough hatred. Resupply here! Spawn more overlords. They're taking the point! I can't for me! Yes! Victory! Greetings, friends and fellow gamers. Welcome to this episode of Not Enough Resources, a bi-weekly gaming podcast hosted on roguesportal.com. My name is Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan M. Holt. Uh, we did stream our last episode live. We are going to do, continue to do that in the future. However, this episode will just be pre-recorded once we figure out some of the uh, complications that come with live streaming. But thank you for bearing with us while we figure that out. Figured that out on our last episode. I would also like to apologize. Last episode, we were talking about some stuff that um, it has been brought to my attention that we kind of missed the boat on, uh, specifically regarding some of the Google DeepMind StarCraft stuff. And I do want to apologize um, for some misleading facts there. Um, just minor stuff dealing with what players are active and whatnot. But that is neither here nor there. Thank you for listening, as always. Um, like I said, my name is Ryan, and I am joined this week by our illustrious co-host, Dylan. Dylan, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Uh, I uh, am ready to do this podcast. Perfect. I'm glad you're enthusiastic. So we're going to start off as we always do. Dylan, what have you been playing? What's now playing for you? I have dug out my GameCube and I hooked it up in my bedroom and have started playing Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Just... uh, on a side note, so I wiped all of my GameCube memory cards uh-huh. data, and so all of my game I have to play all of my GameCube games from the beginning, and so I'm starting with Twilight Princess, Luigi's Mansion's on there, I'm going to have to unlock all the characters in Smash Brothers Melee, I'm very, very excited about this project that I have just taken, my very small amount of free time is not excited about it, but yeah. uh... <laughs> So, um, I have a question for you. You said you're focusing on Twilight Princess first. I recently played through Twilight Princess on the Wii U, uh, when they did the HD remaster that came with the Amiibo and everything like that. And that was the first time I had played Twilight Princess that wasn't on a Wii. Uh, Twilight Princess famously came out for both the GameCube and the Wii at the same time and featured waggle controls and fun things like that. Did you experience it on the Wii before playing it on GameCube, or is GameCube, you know, pretty much the only version you know? So I bought and played the game through the first time on the GameCube. This is my original copy of for my original GameCube that I had. However, I did play it on the Wii at a friend's house. There was a, a snow week, and so we... Uh, we went and hung out at each other's houses because we lived nearby within walking distance. And uh, after a couple of days into playing the game at each other's houses, we made the decision to race each other to a perfect finish over the course of that week. It was super fun. But Oh, that sounds great. I, yeah, it was, it was so good. I will say that this playthrough that I just started, fishing is way more difficult than I remember. And I do think it was easier on the Wii because of the way the the control works. And so that's been kind of a frustrating thing, especially since one of the first things you have to do is catch a fish to get the cat 
to run back to her home in order to get access to the slingshot. And yeah, there's like a two hour tutorial and you have to fish like four things, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so that was uh, a little bit frustrating. I got stuck on a, a mechanical thing. I knew what I had to do puzzle wise, but that I just couldn't couldn't get the C stick to work how I wanted it. Uh, part of that might just be, I mean, my controllers are old. This is the, the Wavebird, which is, I bought the controller the week that I got the system, and obviously I used that pretty extensively while playing, so it might that might be the issue as well. Yeah, but, I mean, that is like the best wireless controller ever made. Oh, it's so good. I love it. I It's great because, so, um, I know that nowadays you don't plug your controller into your system anymore unless you're charging it. But it was really nice that you could plug your wireless thing in with the number attached to it, and then I had mine attached, like, your WaveBird had that number, and then it was just good to go from that very second. But, uh, yeah, instead Ryan... of having oh, sorry, instead of having to, like, fight with, like, oh, is the controller synced, is it not, things like that. Yeah, yeah, or if, especially if you're in, like, a multiple, multiple console environment. Um, yeah. Speaking of other consoles, what have, uh, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Um, I've been playing a lot. Um, I know uh, about a week and a half ago, Apex Legends came out. We dabbled in that. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. But the one I really want to talk about uh, came out two days ago during the Nintendo Direct called Tetris 99. And it's the weirdest thing. I never thought I would want a Battle Royale Tetris game. But it's great. So is it... How is is it different from regular Tetris? Tetris? Uh... Um, so it's it's pretty much standard Tetris. You know, you're trying to clear lines and everything like that. It works very similar to versus Tetris, where you're clearing lines to send, um, like, false and junk lines to other players, but you're playing with 99 other people. Um, so because you're playing with 99 other people, you start, you know, sending... Four lines here, five lines there, two lines here, one line there, so on and so forth. And it gets really chaotic really, really fast. And one thing that's really cool is when you get to the point where there are 50 people left, it flashes a warning across your screen, says 50 people left, and then it gets faster. And then it flashes again, 10 people left, gets faster, faster, faster. So it's really, really fun because you're sitting there and you know... When you're clearing lines, you get that feeling like, oh man, I'm messing somebody else up. But then on the back end, you know, you can be targeted as well. And it kind of has like that weird chaos energy that Fortnite has where sometimes you just get a bad start. You know, sometimes you'll get a start where you get eight to ten lines dropped on you right at the outset and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's really, really hard to get to that upper echelon. I think the highest I've gotten so far is I got 12th place once. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very excited about this is a concept Tetris, um, battle Royale sounds like the greatest thing since, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, I do have a question though. So this is a repackaged game in a sense with a refreshing part about it. How much was it? It was free. Was really? Just, yep. You just have to have a Nintendo Switch Online subscription, which technically isn't free. A Nintendo Switch Online subscription runs 
about uh, $4 a month if you're doing month to month, which is cheaper than PlayStation Network or Xbox, or it's 20 bucks for a year. Um, I signed up for a year when Smash Brothers came out to play Smash Brothers online. So this is just a nice added perk. I will say it's not as sexy and in-your-face stylized as, like, Tetris Effect on the PlayStation 4. But, I mean, you know, conceptually, Tetris hasn't changed in 30 years. So it's and, still the same. And why would it? Same... It's a perfect game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it's still the same game as far as that's concerned, which is great. But just having this, like, added chaos of doing verses with 99 other people being able to send you lines and things like that is is kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I uh, I'm gonna definitely well, eventually one day, one day, I will get my financial yeah. straight and I will check that out. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun and it, it's it's free, which is great, right? Can't really yeah. argue with that. Um, so that's that's the big game I've been playing. I'm also uh, finished a visual novel called arcade spirits my review for that is going up on rogues portal next week probably on monday and uh i made the ill-advised decision to say that i wanted to play and beat every single kingdom hearts game so expect a lot of that from me in the future Ooh! so so have you been playing kingdom hearts 3 no i'm not playing kingdom hearts 3 until i finish all of the other ones that was the deal i made with my wife and you, so you haven't touched it. I don't even have it. No. Oh, you don't even have it. Okay. Are you? How familiar are you with the rest of the franchise? And are you playing them with the recommended order, or are you just gonna bust through them as you get them? Um. So I played Kingdom Hearts one way back when, and then Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories on the Game Boy uh, Advance. I really loved that game. It was my favorite one. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it because it's card-based and has a very weird mechanic, but I enjoy it. And then um, I did play through Kingdom Hearts 2. This was 2005, 2006 when I was still in high school. So this was like almost 15 years ago. Um, I did not play any of the other ones. I started this kind of venture with Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, which is a PSP game. I am playing all of these on the PlayStation 4 um, with the remastered collections that came out. Um, so I'm about a third of the way done with Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. I beat the Aqua storyline, so I still have two more storylines to complete there. And I am going to try and go in chronological order, um, story-wise, not necessarily chronological order in the way that they were released, um, because it's Kingdom Hearts and there were a lot of like retcons and things added in future titles that affect, you know, the original two or three titles. I I really am interested as you as you go through this this journey, this process, uh you're you're about to really inherit a large amount of liminal space in your life and I'm I'm very excited for you and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the insane timeline that is kingdom hearts oh oh it's insane um i've also like just kind of like when i get five ten minutes have also been like playing the mobile game for kingdom hearts and like it's fun it's fine it's an anime dress-up game um that has a really interesting mechanic that i actually think um diablo immortal can learn a lot from but 
it's it's going to be interesting and a lot of fun, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm about like I said, a third of the way done with Birth by Sleep, so I've got two more storylines to complete in Birth by Sleep, and then I'll be moving on from there. Sweet, sweet. Uh, Perfect. Speaking of of mechanics, um, and uh, there's a there's a ooh interesting there as far as Diablo Immortals go, but there's also an oof. Yeah, so uh, let's let's move on to our news segment. Um, Activision Blizzard had their best year ever in 2018 and decided to celebrate by laying off 8% of their workforce or about 800 people. Um, rumors and that's just are... in North America? No, that's worldwide. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's worldwide, and that is across all Activision Blizzard-owned entities. So that's not just... 800 people from Blizzard. Um, some people from like High Moon Studios got laid off. Um, you know, people from Blizzard obviously got laid off. That's what I know a lot of um, simply because I'm so plugged into a bunch of the Blizzard stuff. And um, it's it's frustrating and makes me very angry that um, a lot of these people lost their job despite record gains in profits and everything like that because that's that's uh you know just it, it it sucks to say the least um i was very angry about it the night that it happened i was scheduled to play some here's the storm with some buddies of mine and we all were so devastated and hurt that we all just ended up not doing it and not playing together um you know, I, I made a tweet the other night that I'm sitting here staring at the Blizzard launcher trying to figure out if I want to play a game and I just, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, and it sucks because it looks like most of, most developers, quote unquote, were safe. Um, you know, artists, programmers, engineers, designers, things like that. Most of these cuts, it looks like, came from the community aspect features, um, you know, community managers, community liaisons, things like that. And, uh, unfortunately a lot of it came from the esports divisions as well. I will say one thing that is also frustrating about this. You spoke earlier about, Oh, is this just limited to United States or is this a worldwide thing is, um, there are not very good worker protections in the United States from a federal level. States differ, of course, um, but there was an article that was posted on Kotaku by Jason Schreier. He's pretty much the the go-to for corporate happenings in gaming. He was the one that uh, posted that really lengthy piece about Red Dead Redemption and their working conditions, things like that. He posted that Blizzard in Europe and everything like that has 400 employees and about 167 are getting laid off, but they don't know when because labor laws are different there and you cannot terminate people without giving, I think it was 60 days notice. So wow, that's, that's a significant amount of time to allow people to try and find another job and um, get ready yeah. for the next step in their life. Yeah. Well, and I will say one thing that is kind of silver lining, but still sucks is uh, they did offer severance to a lot of people from what I understand. Which is good, because it's not like they're just dumping these people out. But, you know, there there were a lot of people that were posting on Twitter and things like that, that 
you know, people that started at Blizzard less than a year ago and moved across country for a job. And like, that's the other aspect of this is everybody, the, the community at large is being very supportive, tweeting out like, Hey, you know, if you lost your job at Blizzard, we're hiring, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of these people might not have the means to move across country to a different development house. And it's just really frustrating to see a company that used to be associated with high quality and, you know, great, great games to do this to their employees. Um, do you have any thoughts before I get into some specifics that concern me from an esports perspective about this? I I have some thoughts. Um, mostly, like, this is just a very sad situation, especially in a country like the United States that has few protections, especially in a lot of states. Um, it it also is sad as far as, like, to go from a record year to a dissolution of a lot of these things. It's interesting to me that such a large change is made shortly after the uh, Activision deal went through. Um, speaking specifically on Blizzard. Uh, well, and... Blizzard Activision has always... I mean, this, this happened... That buyout happened almost 10 years ago. But Blizzard, it, it... And, Blizzard has always operated independently from Activision. And ever since their CEO stepped down, their presidents have stepped down, things like that... Activision has stepped in to replace those those missing yes. parts. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that that change in culture is more of what you're speaking to, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's um, again, I that that is my, I I am not fully enveloped in the situation. I I don't work in gaming corporate or have as many relations as 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 you do, Ryan. But I uh I do think that this is just. It's really sad to see them kind of just decide that the large the community at large, especially such a passionate community, it's it's one of those things where so uh, League of Legends, for example, has consistently had a much larger user base for a lot of Dota 2's uh, life, uh, mm -hmm. but Dota 2's big in the international um, its big tournament compared to Worlds the prize pool which is supplemented by the fans of the game has been significantly larger for the players than the than League of Legends World Championship has and that yeah. that is because the 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 fans are so passionate and that's the thing is like StarCraft has a relatively small fan base when but if you compare that to like how much money is put into the game and how big of a game is Especially a game that grew last year. Um, yeah. This is just really disappointing to see them pull from that. Especially, I mean, we talked about when they pulled Heroes of the Dorm. Um, and yeah. and the end of, of HOTS as, as an eSport. Uh, and whether or not that's going to kill the game. And I, I think in a game like that, I think it does hurt the game a lot. So, that... Yeah. But but yeah, I, 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 uh, let's, let's get more into specifics. Like, do, do you have any direct relations to anybody... Uh, who who was laid off at all? Um, indirect, not necessarily direct. Um, so as you know, I do 
some graphic design elements and work for Heroes Hype, which was a Heroes of the Storm community. Um, we kind of were put on the back foot with the um, abolition of Heroes of the Storm's esports scene and the removal of Heroes of the Dorm and the Heroes Global Championship Series and things like that. Um, the big thing that we were upset about as the Heroes of the Storm community that we represent, the slice of the community that we represent, the thing we were very, very beat up about is, uh, one of the community managers for Heroes of the Storm that helped set up things like featured streamers on the Blizzard launcher and things like that got let go. Um, and that sucks because that was somebody in Blizzard that was working on behalf of both Blizzard and the community. And from what I understand, those type of positions were eliminated across the board. Um, they eliminated a very prominent uh, World of Warcraft community leader um, who goes by the name of Kareth, I believe. I think it's C-A-R-E-T-H. Um, and he was a community manager for World of Warcraft for 12 years. You know, that's pretty much the length of that game. Like, how long that game's been out. Yeah. Right? Like, that game's been out almost 15 years, and he was there for a vast majority of it as a community liaison. And to see them not take the community's effect and their success seriously really bums me out. Well, it's... Those are immediate effects that I've seen. It's disappointing, and it's... Um... <sighs> I, I think it is too early. I do I do have um like I talked about when when we first talked about the Heroes of the Dorm thing and and the state of of Heroes of the Storm is that it, big picture wise, long term wise, we really need to see esports be their own thing. So like Wilson makes footballs that are used yeah. in the NFL, which is its own thing, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I would love to say that this is the beginning of that. I don't think the market is big enough to separate itself from the game creators. Yeah. And also, once that separation is made, we're, we're not going to see new esports coming out all the time, which is kind of where we've been in the last few years, where this, there's this undulation of, oh, is this going to be the next esport? Is this game an esport at all? Um, and this, well, and you see like an esports announcement on the stage, like we're making this great new game and it's going to be an esport because the developer's putting a lot of money. I think this might put things back to more of a grassroots situation, which I think is good, but I think the problem is a lot of people, um, that have bigger pockets are a little more weary about, essentially funding a league you know yeah and and funding a grassroots league versus funding a league that is organized by a very large business in blizzard and activision like getting sponsors to buy in to something funded by an organization like that is much easier than like um i'm sure how like think about how difficult it was for tech uh, texas esports the ut which they got very big and and they did very well for a long time, um, but then you see like those organizations lose their clout because because the the larger organization the the game developers stepped in to create their own thing 
and now they're pulling the rug and basically saying like, no, it's back on the community to do it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, man, that's, that's, that's going to be the roughest thing here. And I, and like I said, I think it's too early to really pull that rug. And I think it's going to set esports, which has grown tremendously in the last few years back uh, at least a decade. Well, and, and is scheduled or mm, sorry. And it, esports is also s- projected to make more money this year. It's supposed to be a $1.4 billion industry this year based on some economic reports. Like that's a lot of cash on the table. Yeah. And to see a major player in that in blizzard, I think like the major players you have to look at when it comes to esports is blizzard and riot. And then to a lesser extent, you know, depending on how you want to cut that cake, you know, Capcom as well. I, um, I would say Valve. I think Counter Strike and um Yeah. And Dota are have a have a decent slice of the market as well. Yeah. Well, and I also think like a bigger problem with moving from like these super structured funded by the developer leagues like this, um, is a lot of these games are team based. And I think having a team-based game set up something grassroots is going to be more difficult, which is why I think, honestly, uh, the fighting game community does as well as it does, is because a lot of that is solo affairs. A lot of that is one person shows up, it's 1v1. That's why I think part of the reason why I think StarCraft succeeded for so long without official support for Blizzard in Korea is because it was one you know, one V ones and things like that. I think the more people you need involved with, as far as like, Oh, well we need a full team of five versus another full team of five. And those teams might need coaches and things like that. Like the more people that are involved on the competitive side of the, the industry, as far as players, coaches, so on and so forth. I think that makes it harder to get a grassroots thing going. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Well, let's, just, Heroes of the Storm, we have been trying to get some grassroots stuff going. Um, Team Liquid has stepped up and done some really great things in the past couple of weeks about that. But it, it's definitely more of a challenge. Yeah, and just to kind of put into perspective I, what you're speaking about with like the team thing, the team dynamic, and, and how much more difficult it is to pull events like that off. Uh, so if there was... if if so Denver used to host League of Legends tournaments, right? Or I think they still do. Uh, Clutch in Denver did. And so yeah. let's say 100 people showed up to that tournament. Just based on, like, total ladder, uh, like, the total ladder, there is a tenth of a human, like, a tenth of a person, if 100 people show up, that are challenger or master. Yeah. There is one person that is diamond. Now, I will say, like, usually people that, sh- like, the kind of people that are going to go to an event are more invested in a game, and which means that generally they're going to be better. However, in a team game, if one person is that good, then, and then you, like, go down, and so, like, you might have four people that are in, four people in the top 5%, right? If those people are on a team, they are so much significantly better than the other 95 people at that event. And the again, these events have 40 people at them. They don't have 100, but just yeah. for easy numbers here. Um, yeah. 
like that team is not going to be able to lose to anybody ever, and they're going to be so significantly better that nobody else is going to get good, which means that that they will stop meeting and playing because it is not fun for like that entire community. Yeah. And so like having funding to bring the great players to a location to play against each other and practice with each other to allow other like players who are who are interested in like being involved and competing but aren't professionals is it's such a difficult space to build and that's is why fighting games and back in the day StarCraft have so much success in the local grassroots movements and organizations people just go and lose and it doesn't feel bad because it doesn't take forever and it like they you still feel like you're getting better i i've watched i've watched really good street fighter players slowly have more difficulty beating really bad street fighter players because as you play against each other you learn so much and you start to figure out the pattern out of the other player yeah well, and I think another big thing is, you know, if you're looking at, like, tournament organizers and things like that, right? Is it going to cost you, you know, 10000 bucks to fly an entire team out? Or would you rather spend $2,000 flying a single player out? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, that's, that's another concern. Um, I do want to bring this back down to the Blizzard stuff, though. Um, there is a StarCraft podcast youtube show thing called the pylon show which features a lot of uh prominent starcraft personalities as far as um commentators and former players and streamers things like that and artosis one of the best commentators in the business right i don't think that's a question um yeah that can't be argued yeah yeah cannot be argued um is is very concerned about these layoffs because it sounds like one of the best executive producers in the business for Starcraft was let go after 12 years um, because of this recent Activision purge and reformatting. And I don't know, I don't know what that means as far as the history of the sport Um, in control. Another former player who has now since moved on to commentating about Starcraft, um, says that 2019 is probably going to happen and 2020 will probably happen, but 2020 could be the last hurrah. And like, that makes me very sad to think that there are people that have devoted their lives to something like this to see it all taken away. Um, well, and, and that's, for... that, that's people's lives. And for something like, I think Starcraft will survive whatever blizzard does because starcraft has a storied history with esports you know it pretty much invented it it was like starcraft and quake back in 1998 but like i i don't know about some of these other games like i i don't see a world championship for hearthstone in 2019 i don't i don't see it i see hearthstone as being more focused on like a service instead of you know having a competitive scene with it yeah well and and i will say um and i love hearthstone i'm all for it but the limit to uh, strategic variance and like the upper limits of hearthstone um especially on a competitive level are uh, pretty low um like and i 
I mean, I'm not talking trash. It's just like in comparison to um, Magic the Gathering, um, which I mean has been around forever. It has that advantage, but like that that card game has so much more depth, and Arena has done a really good job of making it more accessible for everyone, as well as like if they if they figure out the like how to make that into esport. Um, I I don't I do, I see Hearthstone having problems even if they did have all of the money behind them that Blizzard carries. Yeah. Um, just because it's it's one of those things where like and and I've heard League of Legends players say this that they like playing Dota more, but like there's money behind League of Legends. And yeah, there's money and there's clout behind League of Legends. There's clout, yeah, and it's because League of Legends is but like. The diff- like the thing that holds back a lot of players in a MOBA is is this skill gap. The th- the thing that holds people back in card games is reading and understanding card theory. And then so much of of card games, um, whether it's it's poker or Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering, is actually reading your opponent um, and uh, both digitally and in person. Right, like. Yeah, that's it, there. There are you can tell things you're, you're guessing and, and things like that. And those are things uh, that I think can be learned for the most part. Um, yeah. And so once you introduce a game that is more complex, I, I do think like Hearthstone's in trouble, especially with the lack of like there's not just not going to be any money there anymore. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um I am optimistic. I'm not going to stop playing Blizzard games because of this. Uh, that first night was really rough, but um, I did end up playing a couple matches of Overwatch the other night, and these games are still good games. These games are still fun, and I want to be incredibly, incredibly clear and transparent on this. The people that are still at Blizzard are still good people, right? They are still very talented people. They they deserve our attention. They deserve our money. And if these are products that you want to engage with, don't let these minor layoffs stop you. Support those developers that did get hurt any way you can. Um, you know, if you see job postings or things like that, you know, it takes two seconds to hit the retweet button. It's no big deal, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but if if you enjoy Blizzard games, keep playing them. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Um... If, if you want to support StarCraft, if you want StarCraft to get a larger following for the next couple of years to help continue StarCraft as an eSport, then, you know, put your money where your mouth is, put your time where your mouth is, you know, do stuff like that. Um, because we, we want all eSports to succeed here, you know, whether it be Dota, Rainbow Six, Counter-Strike, blizzard esports any esports really right yeah yeah well and that's the that's the really scary thing here is is when when people like artosis are are talking about like what's gonna happen to starcraft as an esport it's it's kind of like is a is a sport gonna it, it would be like if if um baseball disappeared like in the next two years well, that's coming, but yeah, yeah, and and I do think that that's coming because baseball. That's that's a different conversation. That's though. a different conversation, though. But like, um, 
I don't think like StarCraft RTS as a genre and as an esport isn't going anywhere. Um, it it has its own place. I think that it's earned both that it's earned and that like there are enough fans. I I mean there is a lack of RTSs being developed, and I think that that's a shame. But they're also incredibly difficult games to make that take so much to make good. Um, and I think that the rest of the developers have just accepted that that's Blizzard's space to play in. And, I mean, hopefully the some developers will look at this as an opportunity to make a RTS. Um, to make a... Uh, similar to, uh, was it Heroes of New Earth? Was, like, what was Dota, like, 1.5? Uh, and it was yeah. Independent, yeah. Um, something like that could be great, and it could push... It could push RTS back into the spotlight, which I would love to see, personally. Yeah, I agree. So, um, that's pretty good, uh, I think, for what we all have to say. Do you have any parting thoughts for the Blizzard conversation before we move on to one bit of minor news and then move on to Competitive Corner? Yeah, absolutely. I I just want to follow up with, with what you said about... Hitting the retweet button isn't that hard, uh, and don't don't be scared to to do it. And and remember that you do love these games, and that these these co- like the community developers. The, these are the people that deal with the minutia and the the little things that have to happen. These are the people that make sure that like food and water shows up to events. These are the people yeah. that that make sure. Um, there, there's good security at events to try and keep chaos from happening. These are people that make sure that you get to meet and greet with your favorite StarCraft player. These are these people matter. Like even though they're not the face of esports, they're not the players, they're not hosts, they're not um, commentators. Like they need, they have to exist for you to enjoy the the game that you like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on to one thing, uh, one quick bit of news that we said we would follow uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Dylan, how do you feel about dancing? I mean, I'm, hey, I'm a groovy guy. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. Um, why don't you tell us what's going on with the Fortnite stuff? So it came back that... The requested case on the Carlton dance is um, basically they're they're saying that it is not a choreographed dance. It is does not hit like the number of moves to be considered choreographed. It's considered simple enough dance that like anybody could learn it, such as um, like an electric slide or something, or or square dancing. And so I. I ultimately agree with the decision. Um, the, the decision that like the courts came to on this, I I could have seen it going either way, but the I don't think I don't think that like okay if if I was Fortnite I think I would look to. Much, you remember when World of Warcraft had Mr. T do commercials and Chuck Norris do commercials for them? 
Yeah. Why not have, like, I can't remember why the not? actor's name, but have him Alfonso come... Ribeiro. Like, why not incorporate him? Incorporate him, yeah. And, and I think that that is... People just want to feel like they're being... They, they want, um, what's the word? Recognition. Yeah, they want to be a part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, and and I think and I think it's it's only fair and it's important to give people the recognition that they deserve for these things. But I mean, I, I don't know. Do do you agree with with how how this is shaken out so far? Um, I'm with you. I, you know, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, could have seen it going either way. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised that. Alfonso didn't team up with Quincy Jones, the producer on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, to get something, you know, taken care of. You know, to to get, you know, his due. Yeah. Uh, That was kind of shocking to me uh, because Quincy Jones, if you don't know anything about Hollywood, is a powerhouse. Um, That is putting it lightly. Um, Dude's got clout. Especially for like... For days. Yeah, he's... He's got clout for days. Four days. Uh, so that's, you know, Not very, four nights, very important. But four days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I apologize. Um, that was a good one. I can't believe I choked with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Well deserved. Uh, but it, it is kind of sad and frustrating to see that this is how it's all going to go down. Um, I'm really bummed about that, but you know, I, I don't think the court is wrong. That dance is pretty easy to do speaking from experience, you know, like I'm not, I'm not beyond doing a little goofy Carlton dance, you know? So that's, that's just how I feel about that in particular. Um, most of the other lawsuits have been dropped as well. Um, you know, the these people are not being fairly compensated, I think. I do think each person is within their rights, right? And I, I agree with you, Dylan. I think we should have absolutely seen some more integration. Not that, you know, Fortnite needs you know, any more advertising. I mean, maybe now because of the Apex Legends thing, but like Fortnite at this point is making more than enough money that it doesn't need to bring in, you know, a B-lister from the 90s. Yeah, no offense, yeah. Because Carlton is like one of my favorite characters ever. Not yeah, he's, saying he's... B-lister is a bad thing, right? Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. Well, and I, but I do think like there is also a... If, if the, the, I, I also think the argument can be made that the Carlton dance, if it, if it could have been copyrighted, it already would have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, if they were doing their due diligence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I do think that there, I don't, I don't believe, I, I don't think there's a statute of limitations there on like, as long as you can prove that it was yours first, then you can copyright it kind of whenever. Um, but I don't... Yeah, like, I don't think... Especially with the Carlton dance. However, like, the argument could be made that 
with the backpack kid's floss, right? Like, he could, he could have copyrighted that. Um, yeah. And and so, like, if he if he did, uh, even now, like, if he had done it, if he had applied for it months ago and it, and had it had gone through, I think that the argument can be made at, at that point. And that is, from from my findings at this point in time, I don't, uh, I don't believe that that was really addressed in the re- rebuke of the Carlton Dance case. Which I mean, there's there's still going to be a hearing where they're going to say, "Hey, we're, hey, no, um, yeah, and here's why." And so we'll we'll get a lot more information there. But I do wonder if part of the reason why with the Carlton dance, and I really hope it comes up, is, hey, man, that happened so long ago, you had this much time to say, hey, I own that dance, and it is a choreographed move associated with my character and who I am, and it belongs to me. Um, Yeah. Because, I mean, I think, like, Michael Jackson did that with the moonwalk for a while, but maybe Uh, I'm wrong. Uh, no. Uh, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. Cause, uh, yeah, there are no Michael Jackson dances in Fortnite and there's a good reason for it because Epic doesn't want to give him money, which yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to give Michael Jackson's estate money either. Yeah. Um, well they're monsters <laughs> and they're holding the Beatles music hostage. So yes, against, agreed. they're holding the Beatles music hostage against the Beatles. Yeah. So Yeah. Uh, if there's any more developments, I don't think there will be about, uh, this Fortnite dance stuff. We will absolutely be covering it in the future. Uh, with that being said, let's move on to competitive corner. Um, Dylan, if it's okay with you, I want to jump right into some Overwatch League, uh, excitement and complaints. Oh man, I wanted to talk about competitive turtle racing. Oh man, really? No. My favorite's Donatello. <laughs> he's yes. the smartest one, therefore he's also the fastest. You would think. You would think. Um, so Overwatch League 2019 kicked off uh, yesterday. We were recording this on Friday. Yesterday was Thursday. And um, I'm very sad because my boys lost. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of great to have Overwatch League back. I, I really missed the hype. I really missed looking forward to watching it. But there are definitely some complaints I have. Um, the first one being uh, the new meta is very boring it's very what very is, boring what is le new meta is so there the a new, is there a mercy uh no there isn't uh the newest meta is uh classified as what's known as goats uh not named after the greatest of all time like football term that everybody equates wrongly to tom brady but uh goats was one of the teams that first debuted this comp uh this composition during the overwatch league contenders and uh what it is is essentially three tanks and three healers and honestly watching it looks like a eight-year-old soccer's match where there's a ball in the center somewhere inside of a throng of children um so what is the what is causing this meta to to kind of take over the scene are are do tanks do too, too much damage to tanks? Um, I think what it has to do more so with is output from healers. Typically, the way Goats is ran is you'll run Lucio for like a little AOE healing. 
Um, you'll run Brigitte because she has the stun and can do a little bit of quick armor boosting. And then you'll run Zenyatta as kind of your healing hybrid DPS, right? <clears throat> and then you'll run three tanks. Usually those tanks are going to be uh, Reinhardt, Zarya, and Diva. Every once in a while you will see a Winston thrown in there. Um, but pretty much the way it works with this new meta is it's a race to who can stack ultimates the best. Uh, who can throw down a Graviton Surge from Zarya and then combo that with either a uh, Earth Shatter from Reinhardt or a Diva Bomb. Um, and it's it's very boring to watch on a competitive level. Uh, three of the matches last night pretty much exclusively ran GOATS, and it just is a swarming ball of particle effects. It's very hard to tell what's going on. And the other thing that is uh really sad is you don't get these really big awesome super hype plays like you would when um players were playing like these heavier dps roles in season one you're well, not getting widowmaker headshots from across the map you're not getting you know tracer five kills at the end of a point you're not getting any of that anymore it's does more it just attrition does it render a does it render carry players uh weaker? Are carry players so like who 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 becomes the carry? Is it the traditional tank players from those same teams? Is it the traditional support players from those teams or is you or your carries like is your carry playing Zenyatta uh Zenyatta it, Diva? Like what's the There's and this is the thing that is kind of nice, but is also not kind of nice is it's more focused on team play and team synergy. So there's not really a carry, um, you know, everybody participates and everybody gets, you know, their own tiny, quick, quick. And I want to emphasize quick moments of glory. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of comboing of ults, so everybody is very integral to the play, but because both teams are trying to make the same plays over and over again, it just becomes like a mess of who can get there first and who can, you know, time their ults correctly. Were, were any of the teams trying to come up with the, the B response to the A meta? Um, every once in a while, a team would drop in with like a Reaper who in a recent patch was given a lot more uh, self-healing from his blasts. Um, the way Reaper works is with your shotgun blasts, you are getting health back each time you hit. Um, so in anticipation of this, Blizzard has increased the amount of healing Reaper's shots do, which is nice. But, you know, by and large, because Reaper is so squishy compared to everybody else running tanks it's very hard for him to make a dent without dying first because not only are there a lot of tanks, but a lot of this um, meta focuses on AOE damage. Every time Reinhardt swings his hammer, that's in an arc. Every time Brigitte swings her mace, that's in an arc. Zarya players are using the right click, which is the little lob grenade a lot. Like, so it's very, very hard to make that impact. I will say uh, the fourth match last night between the Hangzhou Spark and the Shanghai Dragons uh, tried to shake up the meta by not running uh, GOATs, by running one tank on Shanghai with 
three DPS and two healers, and that was kind of working for them a little bit here and there in spurts. They did end up losing, which was disappointing, uh, because Shanghai last season famously went 0-40, and, and I was really hoping they would get their first win. But most teams, like out of the four matches played last night, three of them ran the same composition against the same composition and it, it made for really boring matches. And from a spectator's point of view, very, very hard to watch um, without having an intricate knowledge of how Overwatch works. Which, you know, if Activision Blizzard is cutting all of these jobs and wanting an increase in esports performance, you know, you might want to make your game a little more readable for newbies. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Does so? Do you think this is a is it a patch problem or is it a professional meta problem? I'm honestly not sure. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Uh, Blizzard has tried to implement various solutions, changing how armor and health regen works, um, because this has been the dominant meta since about October, November of last year, and this is yeah. the first time we've seen it and. Excuse me, we've seen it in high competitive play. So, Weird. Um, I mean, it was it was being played in contenders. Excuse me. It was being played in contenders a lot, but, you know, contenders doesn't have the same visibility as the Overwatch League. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so, I mean, I, I really like the... And, and I don't know if there's a, a name for it, but I like... I like two 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 very much, as far as yeah. support DPS tanks. I think that's that should be the goal that they strive for. Um, and I like uh, like one. Um, I believe they call it a hit marking DPS, and one hit is scan. more of like, sorry, hit scan DPS. Yeah, hit scan DPS, and then the other one is is like an AOE tanky shredder type DPS. Yeah. Um, and it, and it sounds like they, they may need to boost the, the tank shredding DPS, which, I mean, if they gave a boost to to uh, old uh, Reaper, I mean, that's a move in the right direction. But, I, I mean, wouldn't you want... I feel like, wouldn't you want to allow him to, like, survive? Like, maybe give him some uh, some sort of AoE defense um, yeah. on being hit to, to so that he cannot... He doesn't die as fast, especially, like when there are good healers that have, like, there are healers that have good synergy with Reaper. Um, Ana's pretty good with him if, if your Ana's good. Um, I've, I've always found I've, I've had good success with that, so I don't know. Yeah, every once in a while, like, Zenyatta will be switched out for Ana in this composition, but Zenyatta's throughput's just too high for most people. Yeah, um, yeah. So, well, I, don't, I don't know. <clears throat> he, I mean, at the professional level, like, like uh, uh, your aunt, the Ana player is going to be good, right? But yeah, Ana is not an easy character to hybrid DPS and heal. Um, she's pretty easy to focus just on one or the other. But yes. um, yeah, how was how was with Overwatch League starting? Um, this is their second season, production value wise. Uh, production value wise, uh, there's some cool stuff. Uh, one thing that is really awesome that I'm super super excited about is with the all-access pass, which is a $15 thing you have to subscribe to on Twitch, uh, covers you for an entire year, um, goes straight 
most of it goes straight to the league. Some of it does go for Twitch, but it finally gives me a feature as a viewer that I've wanted since day one. And that is uh, individual uh, player cameras. So with that $15 charge, I get access to a command center that allows me to say, okay, I only want to watch, I want to watch the match from the point of view of this player. And that's really That's really, really cool. good. Yeah, that's really cool. And the thing is, that's really nice about it is you can just switch to any player. So you have potentially 13 different streams to look at. You can watch the regular stream and then each player individually. And that's really cool. It's awesome, awesome, awesome technology to be sure. I'm sure it is costing Blizzard a pretty penny. I do not want to see what their bandwidth output looks like because I'm well, sure it's insane. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it also. So with that experience, does that that solves the the viewer count problem too? That I think a lot of people are with with games that weren't like again. I think Dota is the only game where you watch the esports through the client. I guess. Like yeah. I mean, I, I'm aware that you can in other like you can watch stuff through the client in other games, but I mean where like it's completely independent from like they also live stream on Twitch, but most People just watch the, the client version. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that they do have is they have, um, like, an ultra view, which kind of doesn't work right now. Um, it's very, very laggy where you pick uh, a player, and then you get the player, and then there's two sub-windows underneath. One of them is the top-down view of the map, and the other one is uh, the live stream from like the standard like the commentators what the commentators are broadcasting and that's really cool it is really cool but the problem is is it's all three of these um all three of these streams going on at once so it's a little laggy um yeah it's been a day and a half like it's gonna get better with time you know they still probably have some technological limitations to work out as far as that's concerned but you know, it is, it's, it's a cool it's a move in the technology. Right direction. It's a cool technology and it's definitely a move in the right direction. One thing that I am concerned about with it though, is what does it do as far as, um, uh-oh, hold up. Sorry. No. Mute. Sorry. I have Overwatch League open on my computer right now and I'm trying to pull up that stream I was talking about because I want to see if it's gotten a little better. And I can report after one day, yeah, I'm not dropping frames on this thing right now. Awesome. I yeah. uh, I do have a follow-up question on, so when you're watching, what's the audio when you go to, like, a single player's view? Are you still getting the, comment, like, the live commentators? Yeah, you're still getting the live commentators. Uh, you don't have to, you know, say, turn them off. I don't think there is actually an option to turn them off. You're still getting the commentators, but you are getting the sound effects and the audio input from the uh players themselves so like if if you're watching a zenyatta player right you're hearing every time he makes an attack or if you're watching a reinhardt player you're hearing everything from reinhardt's point of view as far as the the sound effects and things like that are concerned it's really really cool yeah i'm gonna have to check that out I, uh... And definitely worth the $15, let me tell you. Because the other thing that you get is you get $200 worth of Overwatch League tokens on the client for Overwatch, 
which is oh. equivalent to two skins mm. um, and two, two Overwatch League skins, and those normally cost 10 bucks each. So you're essentially getting $5 off two skins, and you get all of this stuff too. And then finally, uh, you also get a 20% off all Overwatch League merchandise coupon. Um, mine is sitting in my inbox right now. It doesn't expire until the end of October. Nice. So, so you can... Yeah, so you can sit on get it. Get you some nice 4th of July swag. Or you can uh, you can buy the swag of the team that uh, does the best. Just yeah. bandwagon yeah. it. I will say uh, the other big thing that I really didn't like about watching Overwatch League last night is... Uh, they are doing four matches a night right now instead of three like they did last year. And uh, the last match didn't end until after midnight. I am one time zone away from L.A. where all of this is broadcast. I cannot imagine being on the East Coast and watching it, though. Especially sounds... on a Thursday night. Yeah, on a Thursday night. It's it's insane. Um, they are going to do weekend games on Saturday and Sunday, though. They will still be doing four games during Saturday and Sunday, so... That'll be really, really good. So yeah, Overwatch League is back, and I'm super jazzed about it. I'm super hype. And uh, even though my team lost, they are playing again on Saturday. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And, you know, hopefully a bunch of issues from Season 1 will be addressed. Yeah, I wish them the best of luck. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Dylan. Do you have any parting words of advice? Yeah, I, uh, I just want to say... Um, be, be, don't be afraid to reach out, just say hi, um, to your, uh, elderly relatives or friends, um, and don't be afraid to introduce them to video games. It's, uh, it's a great way for them to, even if it's single player, it, it gets something that gets the brain moving, and, uh, if it's multiplayer, then it can be something that, that helps them socialize, so... I definitely, definitely second that. Uh, exposed video games to your loved ones for sure. I will say, as much as I have played Tetris 99 that I talked about in the Now Playing segment, uh, my wife has stolen the Switch and has put in probably about twice the amount of time I have. So, games are great. Play games with your family. Let your family play games. Um, with that being said, as always... If you're playing games online and having a lot of fun, don't get salty, don't get tilted. Everybody you're playing with is another person. And remember, be kind to your fellow gamers. Pancake.